Welcome to FOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to dive in here. Thank you for allowing me to speak into that for just a moment. Matthew chapter 7, we're continuing um, our series, The Message from the Mountain. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to be honest, this one's hard today. This one's a very difficult one. It's one that has challenged me personally. And um, something that the Lord's still doing with me in. And so I ask that you'd be gracious with me as I, as I move through this. And uh, I'll pray that the Lord is gracious with you as well. Amen. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Judge not that you be not judged. Y'all. Y'all, I would say this is probably one of the most misquoted passages that you hear, especially from unbelievers. Like they, they don't want to be held to anything in the Bible, or, but they will hold you to this one, right? You can't judge me. Jesus said, don't judge. You can't judge me. Don't judge so you be not judged says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not judge. Ever? Like, don't ever judge? Some of you need to take Matthew 7, 1 into your teacher tomorrow. Say, listen, I know you said I didn't do real good on that math assignment, but Jesus said, do not judge. Or how about next time you get pulled over by that police officer? Um, excuse me, are you a Christian? Okay, well, you're being a little judgy right now. I know I was going 10 over, but who are you to judge? Ever? And let, me, let me ask you some questions here, and some of the, this is meant to be a little thought-provoking, maybe tricky, if you will. Um, what about if someone gets a really bad haircut? Now, don't look at the person next to you. Don't judge that. What, what if it's your nine-year-old that's given themselves a really bad haircut? Don't judge that. What if they have a four-letter word that they've had someone shave into the back of their head? Is there a time to judge? What about uh, maybe there's a, a man that you don't know real well and he's married, but you see him being really flirty to a, another woman. 
Is that any of your business? What, what if it's just some man, not a man you barely know, what if it's a close friend of yours that's in your small group and he's married and you see him flirting with another woman? Are we getting a little judgy now? Like, what does Jesus mean here when he says, do not judge? Is there a time and place for it? What did Jesus actually mean? So when we look at scripture, there's a few ways we interpret. First of all, we look at the context. The who, the what, the why, the when, the where. Where does it fit in scripture? What is it saying? What are the passages around it saying? Who is the audience? And then second thing we do is, is we interpret scripture with scripture. What else does the Bible say about this thing? About this topic? And then, and then last is, how do we apply it to our own lives? Do you guys know that the whole purpose for this right here is not just to study it so we know what it says? It's so that we can be hearers and then be doers. Because what is a disciple? It's someone who hears his word, walks in his ways, and does his works. Right? That's what a disciple is. So there's this application. How does this apply to my life? And, and let me push on you guys a little bit this morning. Every time there's anyone up here in this pulpit preaching, the question you should be asking yourself is, how does this apply to me and what in my life needs to change? Not, well, I hope the person sitting next to me is hearing this. Every time the word of God is spoken, we should be saying, okay, how does this apply to me and what in my life needs to change? And so let's take this kind of format here of interpretation and first of all let's look at the context now some of you saw this context during worship a little bit you were probably like wait are they calling me out being a bad worshiper today no this was just part of my sermon i got displayed a little early um what is jesus talking about if we look back in matthew chapter 6 if you remember a few weeks ago we were talking about fasting and prayer if you'll flip back over and, and giving it says in the giving section it says when you give don't let people know what you've done. Keep it a secret. Don't be a hypocrite. It says when you pray, don't get up and be like, hey, everybody, I'm praying now. Listen, he says, go into the room, close the door, and pray in secret. He's saying don't be a hypocrite. Same thing when you fast. When you fast, don't walk around like, oh, man, I'm just so hungry because I'm so spiritual because I'm fasting. He's, what is Jesus doing? He's calling out hypocrisy, and then he's showing a better way. And so when we look at this verse, the context of it is hypocrisy. In fact, that's what we see later. He actually, he actually says down in verse um, one of these. You hypocrite, verse 5, you hypocrite. Once again, what is he doing? He's calling out hypocrisy. And then this whole question of should we ever judge? Well, it's crazy. Look down in verse 15, if you will. It says this. Jesus is saying this in verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets. Wait a minute. How do I tell if someone's a false prophet? who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves, you will recognize them by their 
fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. And so here's Jesus who's saying, don't judge. And yet he's saying, here's how you can tell if a tree is a good tree or a bad tree. It's fruit. Jesus, that sounds a little judgy to me. I love it in Galatians 5. Galatians 5 actually says it's not even hard to tell if someone's in the spirit or not. It actually says this in Galatians 5. It says, the works of the flesh are evident. Like, it's not even hard to judge it. And it goes through a list. Sexual immorality, drunkenness, more stuff about sex. Then it talks about divisions and strife. It says, this is, it's evident. And then it goes, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Like, it's evident. It's easy to see. What Jesus is warning us against right here is what I would call hypocritical judging. If you look at James chapter 4, I'm going to flip over there. Should have bookmarked it. I apologize. James chapter 4, verse 11. It says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. Let's say that again. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to judge your neighbor? Man, it's so easy to talk bad about people, though, right? For those listening at home, I preaching this message to me and one other person who nodded their head when I asked that question. (laughs) It's so easy just to judge other people and talk bad about them, right? Especially in the household of faith. They shouldn't be acting like that. I can't believe they would do that. Romans chapter 2, it's a, a little more pointed, I think. It says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, Every one of you who judges for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. You're singing, no, I don't. And my answer to that would be today. And this this was a challenge for me recently. Recently, I got all up in arms about something. I mean, I was blood boiling mad because of a sin of another person and then the lord was like yeah that's pretty bad also drew here's this and it was the same thing it just was flavored a little bit different and i was like oh it's this hypocritical judging 
And what what does the Lord tell us to do? Well, he tells us pretty simple. Let's read this. It says, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Isn't that what we do? What, what's the saying that we, we uh, man, what, how's it go? We often uh, judge others by their, what's the, oh man, I, I should have wrote it down. We judge others by what we see them doing, but we judge ourselves by our good intentions. That's not the way it goes, right? I'll, I'll judge myself just by my good intentions, even if you and I have the same fruit. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, beloved, excuse me, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only my presence, but much more my absence, says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It says to work out your own salvation. Now, some translations here say to work out your salvation. This one says to work out your own salvation. This is actually a better translation here. That's why it's good to have multiple translations. When you go back and look at the original language, it's not just your, but he's talking about your own. To work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Like, here's the thing. When I'm working out my salvation, it is with humility before God, knowing that he is the ultimate judge. Listen. (laughs) You're not my judge. You can't judge me. Okay, true. It's actually worse because your judge is completely holy and completely perfect. Like, he is the judge. I guarantee you, you'd rather let a human judge you on the day of judgment than the the holy God Almighty because he's going to hold you to the standard of perfection. Perfection. Yet, we still walk around judging each other. Because we think we're awesome. And uh, here, I, I don't know if this works well. But this is, this, is the, this is the binoculars we use to judge other people's specs, right? We walk around. It looks ridiculous. I know. I know this is dumb. Completely know it. Some of you are judging me right now like, that guy's a moron. He looks so dumb. You, you know, for, for those at home, <laughs> I have planks in my eye. Right? We walk around and I'm like, you just, brother, I just need to talk to you about something. We walk around with a plank in our own eye trying to remove the speck in other people's eyes. Where's, is Malachi in here? No, Malachi, he's, he's out going to use Malachi for sermon illustration he's off he's off the hook right now guys this one convicted me step one of this thing is pretty simple step one is remove the plank from your own eye like Jesus is calling you to live a life free of sin He's calling you to live a life free of sin. What sin do you have in your life? I I heard a pastor friend tell me a story of he was dealing with a situation in his church. 
where these two roommates were living together, and uh, two men, young men, and one of them, uh, one of them was caught looking at pornography, and the other one just freaked out about it. He's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, here's this little speck, um, I can't believe he would look at pornography on my computer and just flipped his lid. Freaking out about his roommate looking at porn. The very next day, it came out that that man had been having an affair with a married woman for years. A lot of times, the reason we scream so loud about someone else's sin is because of our own. Y'all, this is not the grace of our Father. This is not the love of the Lord. This morning, I, I, I was so hit with this, the conversation we were having with our men this morning about division, and I've heard this a lot. We live in a time that is so divided. And that's really what judging others does. When, when I judge someone, it just causes division. And that's what Jesus is railing against here, is this hypocritical division that happens. And it's pervasive in every facet of our society. Y'all, you can completely disagree with someone and live in unity with them. It is possible, but only through the heart of Christ. You and I can see completely different on different things. And if we're both believers, we can come together and live in unity under Jesus Christ. Whether it be politics or vaccines or race or whatever it is, you can completely disagree and through the blood of Jesus Christ. And some of you, you get it messed up. Because you think, no, if you love Jesus, you have to think the way I think. And I would say, maybe you love something else more than you love Jesus. Which is your opinion. Some of you love your opinion more than you love your Lord. The Bible says, this is how they will know you are my disciples, your love for one another. Think about this in the context of judging. This is how they will know, Shane, you're a disciple because you and I love each other. Another place in Scripture says, how can you say you love God who you haven't seen when you can't stand the guy sitting next to you in church? You're like, no, I don't sit next to him because I can't stand him. I sit all the way across the room. Don't look across the room to see who's there. There's this aspect of grace and humility that Jesus is trying to bring to the conversation. He's saying, first, remove the plank from your own eye. Realize that you are broken too. Realize that you have problems too. Realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior just like they are. And that's the beginning place of the conversation. Because notice, he doesn't end it there. He doesn't stop and say, Remove the plank from your eye, the end. What does he say? He says this. First, take the log out of your own eye, 
And then you will see clearly to do what? To take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Wait a minute. You can't judge me. But here Jesus is giving people permission to speak into one another's life. He's saying, I can speak into your life, Brennan, but first I got to take care of my own business. And once I do that, then I can speak into your life. And we see this in Scripture. In John 7, 24, this is what Jesus says. He says, do not judge by appearance. Well, there it is, don't judge. But then he says this, but judge with the right judgment. See, this is us interpreting Scripture with Scripture. Judge with the right judgment. Well, what would be the right judgment? It would be humility of heart. And it's funny, over the last probably two or three weeks, I've had a conversation with about four different people about accountability in the church and how we're supposed to hold each other up. And so I was like, what am I going to do? You can take a picture of this if you want. Here's a bunch of verses, and it's not even all of them, about how we as believers are there to hold each other up, to hold each other accountable. You know one, iron sharpens iron. So as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. And can I tell you, and listen to this, teenagers, strong men allow people to speak into their life and challenge them. Because iron sharpens iron. One of the things I love the most about these men that I walk with in disciple making is when I can say, let me, let me push a little bit into your life. And I think about 100% of the time, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've even done that to Wes. He's like, yeah. You know what? Wes has done that to me. Hey, Drew. In fact, there's a lot of men in this room that we've had some pretty intense conversations because you know what? Iron sharpens iron. But how do you do it? What did Paul say? With gentleness. With love, bring correction. It says if you see a brother that strays from the faith, what does it say? To return. To return them. If you see someone getting caught up in something that they shouldn't be getting caught up in, if living something that's contrary to the word of God, that we're supposed to bring them back with gentleness and love and grace. It goes into the old saying, do unto others as you would have someone do unto you, which is what we're going to talk about here in a few weeks. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. How would you want someone to correct you in your sin? Okay, then that's the way you should. Not, you sinner. I can't believe you would do this. Which is the way we do it sometimes, right? You're just a terrible person. Do you realize how terrible you are? That's not the heart of Christ. The heart of Christ is one of gentleness, humility. What about unbelievers? I I hear sometimes people get 
really worked up about people who don't follow Christ acting like they don't follow Christ. Guys, unbelievers will act like unbelievers. If you go to my mom's house, my mom has certain rules for her house. And while you're there, you make sure to follow those rules. We have family rules, right? When my kids go through the door, they know there's certain things they're not supposed to do. For some reason, though, when a guest comes, all those rules go out the window. Like, why don't they have to do all the things we have to do? You know why? They're not part of the family. They're not a part of our family. So they don't have to follow those same rules. You know, in the, in, in the household of faith, we have family rules. Ladies and gentlemen, sin is sin. And within the body of Christ, we call sin, sin. And if we see a brother or sister walking in sin, then we will call them out on their sin with love and humility and grace. But what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 is, we don't have any authority to judge someone outside the family of faith. Right? They're guests in the house, if you will. So how are we going to hold them to a standard that we as blood-bought believers would be? Now, is it, is it still fruit and evidence where they are in their walk? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, they have all this fruit that's ungodly. Well, then they need Jesus. And I'll tell you this, you'll never bring someone to Jesus by trying to bring them to the rules. You'll never bring someone to Jesus by bringing them to the rules. That's not how any of us came to it. In fact, the rules are what pushes people away from Christianity. Like, wait a minute, I have to follow these rules? Never mind. You mean I have to give all that up? I like all of that. So why would I let go of that? I have to stop getting drunk all the time, but I like drinking. I have to stop sleeping around, but I like that. But that's not the, what Jesus does. He calls us to relationship with him. And then all of a sudden, we find freedom and grace in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, as the song says, the things of earth grow strangely dim. Like, I no longer desire those things. Why? Because now I'm of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and all these things. And so we win people to Jesus with Jesus, not with rules. And so we need to be very careful of holding unbelievers to a standard which I don't believe the scripture calls them to. Yes, the way they're living does show where they are in their walk. It is fruit of their life. But that's just for us to give them more Jesus. Look back at Matthew chapter 7. And I'll, I'll make this one short today. Robert, can you come on up?
In verse 6, it says, Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and attack you. That's such a weird thing to be in the Bible. Also, how are you going to discern if someone's a dog or a pig? I'm sorry, I will not judge you. Do you think I'm a dog? Do you think I'm a pig? Jesus just said, don't judge. And then he says, watch out for false prophets. Look at people's fruit. And some people are dogs and pigs and don't give them things that are holy. Don't give them things that are good. In Proverbs chapter 9, it says this. Verse 7. It says, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man will incur injury. Verse 8, do not reprove scoffers, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Some translations actually say, do not reprove a mocker, or they will hate you. Or other translations say this, do not reprove a fool. Don't rebuke a fool, because they'll just hate you. But if you rebuke a wise man, they'll love you. And I see that time and time again. Time and time again. Someone who really has a heart for Christ, when you come to them and say, brother, I'm not sure this is right. In humility, after you've, one, taken the plank out of your own eye, right? You come to someone in humility and say, brother, I don't think this is right. If they truly have a heart for the Lord, they will be the wise man and they will let iron sharpen iron. But I'm telling you, a fool or a mocker or a scoffer, all they're doing is mocking everything you're saying anyway. You can talk to them all day long about the word of God and all they're going to do is mock what you're saying. Mock you in their own head. Mock you to other people. It's a sign of someone whose heart isn't surrendered. And so here, Jesus, I believe this is part of what he's saying here. He's saying, sometimes you just need to recognize that there's a time to bring correction into someone's life and to speak into life, and there's a time to say, you know what? I don't think they're ready for this right now. They're not receiving it. So don't bring to them the treasure right now don't bring to them it's not that i'm trying to hurt your life i'm trying to bring freedom to your life but you don't want to receive it so there's a time to say you know what maybe maybe i'll back up and pray about this again maybe you need to go to examine some own things in your own life and i would say this to you is there not only some of you are thinking man i'm trying to minister to this person they aren't receiving it sometimes we need to ask ourselves are we receiving it Am I receiving correction? Am I receiving accountability? Am I being a wise man or am I being a scoffer pushing away the correction of the Lord? The Lord loves us. The Lord wants the best for our lives. His burden is easy. His yoke is light. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. This is where I'm going to end today.
There's, there's so many layers to this message today. The first is pretty obvious. What sin do you need to get rid of in your life? What planks or logs do you have lodged that you need to get rid of? The second is, I would say is, are you receiving correction as a wise man? Do you allow other people to be a voice in your life to hold you accountable? But then there's this, because like, here's the reality. None of us are good enough. All of us are fallen. Romans 3 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Like, that's one big reason why we can't judge each other so harshly. Because all of us are sinners in need of a Savior. Me, you, 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 all of us, right? We need Jesus. At the end of time, it tells us that the Lord is going to judge us. Stay there in Romans. I'm going to read you this out of Matthew. It says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What he's saying is, we're so busy judging other people, we don't rightly judge ourselves. And we think we have it. We think we're doing all the right things. And the Lord is saying, get away from me. I have no clue who you are. But Lord, I did all this stuff for you. We don't rightly judge ourselves. But God, who is rich in mercy, sends his son that while we were still sinners, he dies for us, taking away all of our sin and all of our shame. One of the scariest verses to me is that someday everything done in secret will be shouted from the rooftops. All of your sin is going to be shouted out for the whole world to hear, and that is scary. Except for one thing, the blood of Jesus. Can I tell you someday, everything I've ever done wrong is going to be shouted out from the rooftops. And can I tell you, the blood of Jesus then is just going to cover it all. In Romans chapter 8, it says this in verse 33, Who shall bring any charges against God's elect? Like, who is it that's going to charge you guilty? That's going to judge you and say, you're guilty. And it says this, it is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Who will condemn you? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What it's saying here is the very one who has the right to mark us guilty and condemn us to death is the very one that's interceding for us. That is going to God on our behalf and saying, no, 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 not guilty because of my blood. Because I died for them. So who is it that condemns? The one that condemns wants us free. What can separate us from the love of God? And it says, I am sure neither life nor death nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like the reality is, is Drew is guilty. And my heart as a pastor for this congregation, when I get invited into situations to speak into people's life, or sometimes I just see somebody living off in sin, my heart isn't to beat them with judgment, but rather bring to them the mercy of the heart of Christ so they can find life. And it usually used to drive me crazy and make me so anxious when people would come to me and like, Pastor, we need you to help us with an issue or a matter. And I'd be like, man, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know how to handle this situation. And then it occurred to me, all I have to do is bring people to the heart of Christ, which is love and mercy and grace. We call sin, sin, and then we bring people to a heart of mercy and love and grace. And that's not so hard. Like, that's not so hard. Will you stand with me? Will you just bow your heads and close your eyes? And I want you to really search your heart. Are you judging in a way you shouldn't? Is there stuff in your life that you're hiding? Ladies and gentlemen, sin grows in the dark. Jesus is the light. Do you have planks in your eye? Let the light of Christ shine on that area of your life. Do you allow people to speak into your life? Lord, am I a mocker? Or am I a wise man? And my heart and prayer for this congregation is that we be a people that so want to walk in freedom. Not so we can see other people and judge them, but so we can, with grace, speak into each other's life. People who have found mercy, bringing mercy to others.
And this goes back to the very beginning of the sermon series. Jesus is speaking in the Beatitudes and he says this, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. Are you merciful or are you a mocker? Father, today I pray for mercy. Lord, you know sometimes I can be judgmental. Lord, reveal to me the planks in my life. Lord, shine your light on the hairs of hypocrisy in my life. God, let my ears be attentive to those who would speak to those areas of my life. And God, may I graciously with humility walk those who struggle with sin. gently bringing them back to their first love. I pray that this place would be a house of freedom. Y'all, this is, this is the essence of our small groups, of our disciple-making groups. It's this with grace speaking into one another's life. And that's freedom. There's freedom. There's freedom of setting aside sin. There's freedom in that. That's why we say about small groups, that's where we find freedom. I would encourage you to go home and wrestle with this a little bit. I, I don't think this is one of those where I need... Uh, an altar call for. I think this is an area where you need to go home and wrestle with the Lord just a little bit on this one. Lord, where am I in this? I think the Lord's going to reveal some stuff to ourselves in our quiet times this week that we walk with a little more grace and humility with one another. Like I said, the last step in that interpretation is how do we apply this to our own lives? How do we walk it out? Be people of peace for one another.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church. 